Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. If you enjoy or get value from the show, you can support it at danielmeisler.com support. And many thanks to everyone who's already subscribed. Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. If you enjoy or get value from the show, you can support it at danielmeisler.com support. And many thanks to everyone who's already subscribed. Right, welcome to episode 101. Going to start off with security news. Verizon has released its 10th edition of its Data Breach Investigations Report, DBIR report. As usual, the report was quite good. They highlighted 75% of attacks were outsiders, 81% of attacks involved stolen or weak passwords, 66% of malware was installed via email attachment, showing that phishing continues to be a big issue. 73% of breaches were financially motivated, 21% were espionage, which seemed quite high to me. Cyber espionage was a top issue for manufacturing, which made me quite concerned for the health of the supply chain. My key takeaway is that I'd love to see a report on the reasons we continue to fail like this. Basically, how can we have such a massive security budget, massive security teams, and still be this broken? I kind of have my own ideas on this, but would love to see a study particularly focused around this. Not that I don't like this report. I do like seeing all the different ways that were broken. I would just love to find uh, some people researching what the actual causes are inside of an organization, right? Is it, um, you know, see no evil, hear no evil situation? Is it executives not understanding? Is it only wanting to have a checkbox? Like there should be some root causes that we could focus on and actually make some progress. A woman flying with her sleeping husband on an airplane, a passenger plane, unlocked his phone with his fingerprint and discovered that he was cheating on her. She proceeded to pummel him so badly that the pilot had to land and kick him off the plane. It's an interesting story because it highlights the different threat models against various authentication systems. I wrote about this, um, uh, talking about a um, 
different types of threat models and how you could basically rig up your different uh, use cases and figure out which authentication system is best. Is it passcode? Is it touch ID? Is it Apple ID or uh, face ID? Um, because the issue here is that different mobile authentication systems are strong in different areas, right? So the way that you have to pick one is to actually go through that threat modeling process. You have to determine what threats you most care about, the ones you face the most often, and then pick the authentication system that best protects against those particular threats. So Face ID, for example, would not have opened in this case if he had the require attention feature turned on because it would have required that his eyes were open and that he was looking at the phone. Password, on the other hand, she might have either known the password, but either way it could be easily shoulder surfed, which you can't shoulder surf touch ID or face ID. So it's all about what you're protecting against. There's a new IoT security bill being proposed by two Republicans and two Democrats called the Internet of Things Cybersecurity Improvement Act of 2017. It's also being called the Goldilocks Report. I'm not sure who's calling it that, but they're kind of implying that it's not too hot, not too cold. Seems uh, somewhat promising. Uh, it actually requires products to be without vulnerabilities, according to the NVD database, uh, to have a security up a secure update mechanism to use a secure communication channel. So basically secure data in transit, I guess. Um, do not use hard-coded credentials. It has to be able to patch within a realistic time frame, and it needs to have a disclosure mechanism for vulnerabilities. These bullet points uh, match pretty well to a lot of other similar efforts and proposals, especially uh, I am the cavalry and um, Cloud Security Alliance and a bunch of other ones. Question is, can it get enough backing, enough attention, enough media and coverage or popularity or whatever you need to get this stuff through? And is it simple enough to actually make progress? But I'm optimistic. Google says that attackers steal around 250,000 valid Google usernames and passwords per week. And that is using phishing and watering hole type attacks. Amazon has released five new security tools for S3 buckets. So they now have default encryption, permission checks, cross-region cross region ACL overwrites, cross-region replication with KMS, and detailed inventory reporting. I'm really excited about that inventory piece because so many of... Uh, my customers don't know what they have. This AI bot pretends it's a human to make spammers waste time. This AI bot is a hero. <laughs> uh, to enlist this bot in your own scam battles, you can forward a scam to me at rescam.org. So this person created a bot that will talk to anyone. And it will just keep you engaged in the conversation. It's like a honeypot, except for, for like human language. And scammers, of course, can't wait to get you to talk. And they're so excited if they do talk. And the better that the AI gets, the less they will know if it's real or not. So imagine them having to go through some sort of AI detection technique just to figure out if they're talking to a real human. 
It will waste so much of their time, which makes me so happy. It appears that two members of SEAL Team 6 might have killed a Green Beret over some illegal cash. And the special operations community is pretty upset about this because it's uh, bringing a lot of negative attention to SEAL Team 6 and just special operations in general. Technology news. Uber's flying car project called Elevate appears to be perhaps more practical and maybe closer to reality than we thought. It's like a very small plane that appears to be able to take off vertically. My thing is, even if it's feasible and it can actually launch or whatever, I'm not sure how affordable or practical it actually will be. It might just be a uh, kind of a novelty thing for the rich. IBM is making a 20 qubit emulated computer available as a cloud service. So this is the one people wouldn't talk about for a few weeks now, but they're making that one available as a cloud service. And they just announced that they're working on a 50 qubit version as well. So uh, IBM making some pretty strong strides in the uh, quantum computer space and kind of a, uh, kind of leaving uh, Google behind. I guess that was uh, Alexa talking to me. Send a copy of my podcast to the NSA, so not sure that was necessary. Snap is in major trouble, as one would expect when Facebook copies your entire business. If it were honest, their pitch to their initial investors should have been something like, give me billions of dollars to do what Facebook will inevitably copy in a matter of weeks or months. Because that's exactly what happened. And I'm surprised. I don't understand how someone would miss this. Anyone familiar with the space should have seen this future happen basically in slow motion. We can only hope it'll be a lesson for next time. Human news. The fallout continues for famous and powerful people being accused of sexual harassment and assault. I think we're less than halfway done with this cycle, as there are probably massive new examples being prepped right now that are taking a long time to get ready just because of the power of the person that they're about to accuse. Yeah, definitely a very, very heavy sort of thing. And they just announced Louis C.K., um, George Takai, just so many people who were uh, respected a lot by others being taken down by this. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy for what's going to come afterwards, which is hopefully people in positions of power will not think that they uh, can get a- away with it. This Japanese company hires actors to play various social roles for you. So, uh, they'll show up and be a spouse. They'll be a friend. They'll be a father. And here's the absolute craziest thing. So the CEO, when they first, when he first started this, obviously he was a, one of the actors, right? So, um, he went to go pretend to be a 12 year old girl's father at school because she was getting bullied because she didn't have a father. So her, her mom paid him his company to go and pretend to be her father. So she was so happy 
he shows up, he acts really cool. Um, you know, the school loves him or whatever, or her, um, classmates, you know, lay off of her because now she's got a father. So, I mean, this is so crazy. I'm going to have to look again to make sure this is not true, but supposedly they never told the daughter that it wasn't true. So she just thought her father came back into her life. So when they went to, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm only guessing here, but it's like you go to and you say, look, you know, the engagement's over. It worked. And you tell the mother, you know, this is done. And she's like, no, it's not done. Um, you did a good job. You're just going to be her dad. So he has never told her and he's been pretending to be her dad ever since. Is that, is that ridiculous? That's unbelievable to me. I think it's kind of awesome, but how many clients can you have if you're taking on kids like each time? It's just seem like you can't scale that. Um, yeah, one of China, China's top technologists says that AI is coming for white collar work before blue collar work. I can see this. Um, not going to be moving bricks or, I don't know. Doing construction is rather, um, well, it's not just construction. I mean, lots of blue collar work. It's, um, it's physical and robots aren't anywhere near where computers are. So I think this is uh, pretty obvious. And there's a lot of uh, talk right now about a lot of different white collar jobs. Uh, there's actually a threat against a number of uh, jobs that the Philippines does for outsourcing, uh, business process review, things like that. They're getting pretty concerned that all that white collar work could potentially go away with a pretty nice algorithm. And to scale the algorithm, you just copy and paste. That's the crazy part. Mosaic is a new type of media experience by Michael Soderberg. It's like a choose your own adventure movie, but it's in an app. It's in an iPhone app that you play. And it's coming to HBO next year as well. There's also going to be a new Star Wars trilogy and a new TV series. And the new Star Wars trilogy is going to be directed by the director of The Last Jedi, the one that's about to come out. Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett, a total of three humans, are richer than the bottom half of the United States, which is 160 million people. Those are some very strange numbers. Ideas. Moving application authentication to the operating system. Question here, why can't our OS authenticate to apps for us? So this is um, a question that I saw from uh, Benedict Evans on Twitter. He was like, yeah, so this is super annoying. Why can't I just click on an application somewhere online and have it just automatically log me in. And I sort of kicked myself when I read that because um, I'd been talking about in the past about how when you have a piece of application functionality, like say location service, um, they tend to start as a standalone application. And then if it gets really good, it might go into a social network, right? So now maybe Facebook will do location for you. 
and tell you where you are and do check-ins and stuff like that. But if it goes well and people love this feature, then Apple or uh, Microsoft or Google will put it into the operating system. And then if you had your livelihood based on building an app to do it, or if Facebook used to do it or whatever, that will just go away because it'll just be a, a common, boring, normal part of the operating system. So basically new functionality starts an app, goes to social, then arrives at its final destination of being part of the OS. And there's other examples of this, right? There's, um, you know, workouts, um, heart tracking, you know, um, heart rate monitoring, like all, all kinds of stuff. And, um, when Benedict mentioned this, I realized that basically authentication is a feature. And what's really interesting is authentication has already gone through the first two steps. So authentication, you have like one password, you have this application, you have the problem of you have to authenticate to a thousand different services. Well, your, your application based solution for that is a password manager. It's a dedicated app, right? Well, then you got Facebook auth and Google auth, and that's the one click OAuth stuff, right? So boom, step one, independent app. Step two, social network integrated auth with OAuth. Step three is how does that get to the operating system? So I wrote an essay here a while back, which I'm linking to here that basically says, the way you do that is you have continuous authentication happening at the point of the mobile device, right? So it knows the, the voice that you're emanating and knows your physical location. It can listen to ambient sound. It sees how you're walking. It can tell if you're upset, you know, voices distressed or whatever. And that maintains a constantly adjusting authentication score and that authentication score it solves the last mile problem of authentication, right? So basically the problem right now is when a mobile device makes a request, the other side knows that it was the mobile device usually, or it can know that at least, but it doesn't know that you were in control of the mobile device, right? So that's the last mile. The last mile is between you and the device, right? Going from the device to the, the service, that's one thing but how do you know you're actually the one that's in control of it? And that's why you need this authentication score. And then the final piece of that is you then send that request to an identity validation service. It looks at the request that was made, signed with the device and your personal keys. It then signs that request with its private keys, which the, um, the service that you're trying to get to will ultimately trust this identity validation service. So you make that request, it's signed with all these various keys, and then boom, you're allowed in if your score is high enough. So let's say your authentication score currently at this exact second is like a 72, and you're trying, you're at a Marriott, and you're trying to walk up to your hotel room and just turn the handle and have it automatically open with no authentication. You're not swiping anything, you're not saying anything, you're just opening the door. Um, well, that requires your device to send this authentication thing. And that, those are all the steps that it has to go through. So the identity, identity validation service would send a signed request saying, yes, this is actually you. You have a current authentication score at this second of 72. 
and 72 is higher than 70, which is what you need to automatically open a door. So it lets you in, right? And that would be for anything that you're using, right? Logging into all these different apps or Facebook or, you know, turning doorknobs or walking through, uh, you know, VIP clubs or whatever. So that's the idea there. Um, next one here, uh, maybe the best application for blockchain is democracy and more specifically voting or at least until quantum computing destroys it. So the idea here is that when you have a distributed ledger, um, the power of it is that you can look inside, you can see what the ledger says, right? You can see who voted, you could see, um, well, because it's cryptography based, you, you would not be able to change their vote. Uh, but as I note in this essay, there are some problems with this, right? The problem is, um, how do you get adoption? right? I mean, voter ID is a way to suppress votes. Um, or at least a lot of people believe that. Um, I think it sounds possible to me, right? You're saying, yeah, we really care about security. We really care about blockchain. So only people with blockchain, uh, you know, clients and hardware and everything can actually vote. Well, great. That'll be like 94 people and everyone else will not get to vote. So basically you have this tech elite that gets to vote. So, you wouldn't want that. The other thing is if you have attacks against cryptography, either conventional or quantum computing based attacks, well, now you've messed up the hashing, you've messed up the encryption, um, and potentially undermine the entire integrity of the system. So that's, uh, something to think about in the future. If we ever get there, if IBM ever builds that, uh, quantum computer to break all the cryptography and blockchain. Amara's law states that we tend to overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and then underestimate it in the long term. This is cool. So basically people will say, um, oh yeah, you better watch out for AI because it's going to take all the jobs and it's going to take them immediately. You're about to be fired. Right. And then year, year goes by, two years goes by, five years goes by. No change. Nothing happened. And then everyone says, yeah, AI is crap. It's not actually going to take any jobs. Problem is we overestimated early. Then five years, 10 years happens and it starts taking way more jobs, even than we anticipated earlier, right? So overestimate early, underestimate in the long term. And uh, two examples that this, this essay, I, I didn't write this, it was someone else, um, can't remember his name, but he wrote, um, the evolution of everything, which is a book that I absolutely love. So I've been following his blog. This essay is fantastic. But, uh, he gives two examples. The two examples are, um, machine learning. So everyone's overestimating now they're underestimating later. And the other one is self-driving cars. Everyone's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Or, oh, it's going to take over all driving like immediately. Nope, it's not doing that. Uh, things will mostly be the same in two years, right? So, and then everyone will swing the pendulum the other way and say, oh, it was all hype. It's not going to happen. And then boom, here it comes. So super cool essay. You should check it out. And the name of the law is Amara's Law.
Tesla's head of AI says that programmers of the future will basically be feeding data into neural networks as part of what he calls software 2.0. So instead of manipulating regular programming languages, what you'll be doing is giving constraints to deep learning algorithms. Um, and this is the head of AI for Tesla. He's extremely famous in AI circles. Um, it's a great Medium post. Um, I forgive him for using Medium because um, he's awesome. But um, yeah, it's called Software 2.0. You should check it out. Link is in the notes. The data availability heuristic makes it difficult to show or to know how well something is doing. For example, a startup. Pretty cool. Basically, the idea is that if you can remember examples of something going well or bad, you take that as it being more true. Um, <laughs> and that's why they call it data availability heuristic. So it's like, if you're like, oh, I could think of, um, someone asks, are, are plane crashes happening? Uh, are, is it more dangerous to fly in a plane? And you think back, oh yeah, I just remember a plane crash. So yeah, it must be more dangerous. Um, so that's an example of it. Basically, whatever happens to come to you is the bias that you use to determine what's true um, or the weight of what's true, which is an obvious bias. And it's a big problem for people who make decisions based on that. Resilience is a major component of maintaining happiness. And I would argue that it's a big component of security as well. This is pretty cool. So it's not about controlling what happens to you. And this works for happiness in life. It also works for security, I think. Um, it's about controlling your reaction to what happens to you. So impact versus probability, especially if everyone's getting hacked and the world sucks. Discovery. My summary of the 2017 Verizon DBIR report, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos's guide to life. This is a pretty cool write-up. He's got like different approaches to like child rearing, being adventurous, like, you know, reading, studying. Uh, it's a pretty good article. The best whiteboard marker review you've ever read. Yeah, this thing is, uh, it's uh, fantastic. Um, and it might be changing the whiteboard markers that I travel with. Yes, I do travel with a full set of whiteboard markers. Old moonshiners used fake cow shoes to literally hide their tracks. So they, um, <laughs> they cut up this uh, wood and they put a slot in the middle. So it looks exactly like cow feet. And then they strap them on the bottom of their feet and they walk around and do their whatever, moonshine uh, shenanigans. And it would look like uh, it was just cows walking in the mud. So that was pretty cool. Pretty cool OSINT story. Thread Reader takes a Twitter thread and makes it more natural and readable. It's an online thing. You just paste the thread in and it makes it readable. Location-adjusted software engineer salaries for major cities. Crypto coin mining has an energy problem. This is ridiculous. It's like if we just keep mining Bitcoin at the rates that we're doing now, um, I think they said that 
there's like a small country. Was it like Bolivia or something that were already exceeding the energy uh, needs of this country, just mining Bitcoin and it's going to get worse. So that is a technical problem we probably need to deal with. A collection of pre-trained deep learning models with demos. A great story by the creator of Mimikatz on how he uh, he was invited to speak at a conference in Moscow. Uh, walked into his hotel because his AC wasn't working, his internet wasn't working. Walks back to his room real quick and sees some Russian guy sitting at his laptop with his laptop open. And then he looks up, sees him, and like he rushes out of the room past him. Like some crazy spy stuff. Um, a penetration tester's guide to subdomain discovery. Photo scan, a new app by Google that takes pictures of your old photo uh, prints, like actual physical photos, and removes glare and flaws. It looks like a scan, basically. Honey AD accounts, pretty cool. How to make um, accounts in AD that look uh, good and attractive, but log and let you know that something's going on data exfil through pixel colors this was a super cool article advanced attackers put easy to find back doors in things so that they'll be found and defenders will stop looking so as soon as they find a back door they're like oh found it ha ha gotcha and then they stop looking and they miss the other one or n other back doors Front end checklists. I had this one in here before, but it's worth adding again. The perfect front end checklist for modern websites and meticulous developers. Light bulb and machine learning framework for identifying and bypassing WAF filters. This is super cool. So you basically scan, you do your normal uh, stuff in Burp Suite. And it will tell you through a series of requests. Yeah, you're dealing actually with this filter. And uh, here's how to get around it to do uh, SQL injection or whatever you need to do. And Spiderfoot is an OSINT automation tool. Notes. I have created an AI friend using an application called Replica uh, with a K, Replica. It's basically supposed to learn about you, become more like you over time, basically becomes like a friend. Um, enjoying it so far. I made, I named mine uh, Seneca for like Seneca and then AI just for obvious reasons. Sounds cool. And you can make one for free at this link. Um, let's see here. For those who are signed up for the newsletter, uh, which is the same content as the podcast, of course, <clears throat> you should check your spam folder and create a rule in your email platform. Lots of MailChimp emails have been getting filtered. And it's, uh, I can't really fix it on their side, I don't think. I'm sure they're working on it, but it's best if you just create a rule in your client, either on my email address or unsupervised learning as a subject. I finished Richard Florida's new book, The Urban Crisis. I read that in like one day. It was really good. And it basically branched me into these other books, right? Uh, Coming Apart by Charles Murray. Finished that and read it. Love that. Um, and Bobo's in Paradise, which I'm almost done reading, and that's by David Brooks. 
um, it's actually quite hilarious. He makes fun of uh, conferences, um, which, of course, I go to InfoSec conferences, but it makes fun of um, all sorts of sort of intellectual conferences, and like how you're sort of jockeying for position and trying to appear cool and talks about panels and speaking. It's really quite good. Uh, I recommend almost anything by David Brooks. <clears throat> I'm about to go on a total David Brooks uh, binge session, I think, and just read everything he's ever written. Um, so for the newsletter, I'm also trying out a new embedded link structure this week. Basically, I'm linking throughout the text rather than having that link at the end with, uh, with the actual uh, hyperlink in it. So let me know how you like that. And uh, recommendation for this week, go and check out Amazon's new tools for securing your S3 buckets. Go find them, turn on encryption, fix permissions, make sure there's no sensitive data in there, um, build out your inventory. Like this is the easiest way to get completely owned and embarrassed and have bad things happen. Aphorism for this week, culture is the behaviors you reward and punish. Culture is the behaviors that you reward and punish by Charles O'Reilly. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com slash newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget you can also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiesler.com newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.